Greetings, heathens and heretics, and welcome to another episode of In the Abyss with uh, me, obviously, because I'm never anywhere else. Uh, voice of reason, no no uh, Saudi queen this week, uh, you know, time doesn't allow, but uh, instead, um, because you can't keep away, come back for more, um, Nige from Chupacabra is uh, is with us once more for a specific reason, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Nige, how are we doing? How's sunny Bristol? Sunny Bristol is fucking freezing, but otherwise I'm doing, <laughs> which is why I'm wearing a hat indoors. But um, I'm doing well, man. Good to be here. Yeah, well, see about that. But if, yeah, it's fucking freezing here as well. It's um, I, I just sitting in. I'm sitting in a hotel room. For those of you who really want to know that, um, are these weird heating things that are up like all the way up there, pretty much on the ceiling. So if I was to stand on the bed, my head's nice and warm, but everything kind of about three foot and below that is freezing fucking cold so yeah it's uh but anyway no one gives a shit about that so this week we've um a few weeks back or a few months back as it was we we did an episode uh called metal island discs with a couple of guests and it was a little bit of a of a drunken mess if i'm completely honest so um we thought we'd make... <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I I can't even I can't even remember whether we actually got through everyone's selections or what I I really don't know it was chaos but um, we kind of like the format so we uh, we thought we drag Nige back on so we can have his selection of uh, of eight essential albums on a on a desert island plus favorite metal shirt and a luxury item um, we will get to that in a minute because before we do we want to talk about a couple of gigs from the last couple of weeks or the last week or so um, first up. Last week was uh, the Almighty's Build As final ever shows. Uh, Glasgow, Manchester, London, wasn't it? With the three dates, yep. yeah. And uh, we caught the London show on Saturday night. You know, we're all we're of that age where you know that '90s hard rock stuff was really important to us, and none of us had seen the Almighty, so it was you know, hundred percent straight on that. Um, we haven't really talked about it much between us all about the gig well we, we kind of raved about it a little bit but we haven't really discussed it in much detail so you know do you enjoy it yeah yeah it was yeah. all right yeah no yeah, yeah. well well let's, be, well let's be honest it's been too cold to fucking talk and you've been busy doing your work shit so well yeah <laughs> that's it yeah no i mean i think that was it was something special i think we yeah. were we were hoping it would be um I mean, they, the reasons they sort of said they get together was because, essentially, because of COVID. I think it, it makes you reconsider things in life, and they they thought, you know what, let's let's do this. We haven't done it for a while. It's the original lineup. We've got Tantrum back. Um, it surprised me, um, but that's what he did. And it was yeah, just just a couple, of, you know, three yeah, three um, gigs. Nothing, nothing major. I mean, they did their rehearsals. What? A week ago, about a week before, week. yeah, that's all it was. Yeah, I think, yeah, they've been obviously working at their, their own stuff, preparing in advance. Of course, I have. And Ricky, Ricky Warwick never stops bloody songwriting or playing guitar. No, no. um, but you know, considering they hadn't played together for I think, what 10 12 years when they last, last yeah, two, 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 no longer than that. I think 2008 2009 were the last shows, I think. Okay. I'd have to double check right. that, but yeah, yeah, at least a decade, at least a decade, at least a decade. Yeah, I, I mean, tight, tight as yeah. Would, wouldn't have known they hadn't played for years together. They they gelled just like that. Sound wise, really pleased with the sound. Earplugs, 
no objections, just just what you needed. Um, and it was just you know it was it was straightforward hard rock, no nonsense, no bullshit, no fancy stuff, just great songs because that's that's what set them apart from a lot of the stuff of that time. They had the songs as you said the other night. Yeah, um, yeah, completely, and, and that hard. and that is that is the, the the difference with bands like the Almighty. They fundamentally they are a very simple, straightforward hard rock band, but when you've got songs that strong, you're yeah. always going to have something to offer. And 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 that came through. I mean, you take, for instance, the support act were Balaam and the Angel, and I'm not overly familiar with, but fuck me, did they phone that in? It was it was just flat as a fart. And, you know, bands of a similar era, but you compare the two Almighty come on, and obviously everyone's there to see the Almighty, but straight away the level is 100 times higher. Yeah, you know and that instant chemistry, like you said, that the, the four of them have got. Ah, oh, mate, it was, it was fucking great fun. Great yeah. fun. No, you know, best part, of two best part, of two hour long set list, only about an hour and fifty Pretty minutes. Much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and everything yeah, we wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, the set list was. I mean, yeah, I was pleased with the set list. Can't argue with it. And I still came out thinking, oh god, they didn't play. You know, no gift yeah. horse. Yeah. No sick and wired. No. No power tripping. Uh, no broken machine. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was, they played six songs off the first album, Blood, Fire and Love. Yeah. Um, you know, six off of Soul Destruction, one as well, I think. Wasn't there? Like that, like five off of Crank and... Um, four, four, four or five off the others, yeah. I mean, they, they did yeah. play uh, from Just Add Life onwards, which I would have liked to have heard a couple of the later ones, but I realised why they've stuck to those old old albums. Yeah, but... yeah, completely. And I get the impression that, you know... it. it while it was billed as like final ever shows, it felt like they were treading water a little bit, weren't they? See how this goes. Yeah. If it goes well, will we do more? You know, it's once the dust settles. I don't know. Do you think they'll? Do you think they'll carry on? I mean, you don't know. But the, th the thing is, with someone like Ricky, he he he's always working. He's always doing stuff. He's always playing music. Yeah. If there's downtime with Black Star Riders or or his you know or, or solo stuff or you know Finn Lizzie or whatever, what what's he going to do? I mean, start another band. But if there's if there's a demand for him, and there clearly was last night, would would they be able to do a, a small UK tour? I don't know. Maybe not. But there's no reason why they can't at least do a festival slot here. Best, yeah, festivals. Yeah, you know, yeah, completely. Yeah. You think about all the. Um... The hard rock kind of festivals that there are now made of stone and stone dead and yeah, there are there are others as well. But even 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 bloodstock to an extent. Yeah. Why not? As a you know, that kind of nostalgia act sort of thing. But yeah, but what they did well for a bit is they managed to move with the times. So, you know, 93 was power chip in that third album. Yeah. Change guitarists. So you're a couple of years into grunge by then, but they they didn't go grunge by any means, but they brought in that sort of Alice in Chains heaviness, didn't they? A bit of an uh, alternative. Yeah, touch. they brought yeah. into it. But they yeah. still had that hard rock fundamental sensibility there. That that yeah. that was the foundation of it. They just they just shifted it up, and that's arguably their best album. It's heavy as fuck. Yeah, um, really good songs. There's a real insidiousness to it as well. And then we crank. I mean, crank '94 came out the same year as Therapy's Trouble Gum. Yeah. Television, how to make friends. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of Brit pop stuff and the Brit rocks going on. US punk has kicked off, and that and that album 
it's not so, not so not so much grunge. It is more of a classic punk meets sort of metal album. It's yeah. angry. It's angry and heavy. Ricky's cut all his hair off, and Saturday night it kicked off with that stuff. I mean, I, you know, I like the crank stuff, and it's one of those. It's almost a bit underrated because everyone thinks of the earlier stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it kicked off. I mean, I've never seen that many fifty-something men go go nuts at one point for a long time. Um, that was a lot yeah, of people coming at, coming out of mosh pit retirement. That was. If it, well, yeah, they were, Night, they, Nigel smirking as well. I can I can see you down. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. No, there, there was there, there was a lot of that, and and I think the thing is, is they never they never built up their profile any more than that. They never gained new followers. They kept that cult fan base, I expect. But with so much going on in the music scene, in the British music scene at that point, all these new bands, indie, rock, whatever, pretty much leapfrogging them in sales. And I can see why by by the next album in 96, which was a good good album, Just Have Life, it it, it was. They probably thought, you know what? We're not getting anywhere. And it's a shame they split up because they were much better than that but i can understand why they did because it's just it's like the public just didn't want to know it's yeah probably sort of from a from a trend point of view if you want they'd probably kind of run their course a little bit and like you say your grunge and then new metal kicked in after that so yeah. you know every everything kind of shifted but um but yeah, no you're not a massive almighty fan are you? which surprised me well not really it's kind of weird but <clears throat> i mean we might touch on this a little bit when we're talking about the the albums in a bit but for me in the 90s, I kind of didn't really listen to much stuff that was going on in the 90s. Like the 90s was when I went backwards. Yeah. And started because obviously in the 80s when I was a teenager and I, it was 100% metal for me. And then in the 90s, my taste broadened, but I went backwards. And that's when I discovered what had happened before the 80s. So in the 90s, I was listening to Sabbath, Zeppelin, Beatles, sorry. Um, Hendrix, Hendrix, The Doors, you know, it was more like, I don't want to say too much more, but yeah, the 90s, I, di- I, you know, I didn't get into grunge. I didn't get into Britpop. I wasn't listening to most of the stuff that was kind of popular then. So I just didn't really, the almighty, never, I was, when I mean, I've heard of them, but I honestly couldn't name you a single song, which is weird or terrible, I know. And I should probably investigate them because you know you guys have good taste and you know our tastes pretty much overlap on in a lot of areas and so but yeah I, it was a band that I certainly back at the time I just didn't I just they just didn't come across my radar at all yeah that that it makes sense like I said earlier they are they are a hard rock band there's no frills going on it is simple yeah. two guitar bass drums vocals hard rock band but they always had the songs and and that's that's why seeing them you know, last week after all these years, mm. none of neither of us had seen them before. It was, you know, those anthems come out and you're singing along and your your throat's croaky, your neck aches, and you, it's it's just, yeah, it's just fucking great fun. Fucking and great. so that's interesting though that you said that, and like you said that they never really kind of built momentum, right? They started with a fan base but never really kind of grew. And maybe that's because it's interesting that you didn't. Neither of you had ever seen them before. I wonder. I wonder if that's why. Like, maybe that's why it's, he didn't come across my radar. Yeah, never... yeah, that's quite possible. Yeah, it's it's time with us. I mean, I I was sixteen when I properly got into metal after sort of dallying with indie and sort of rock stuff, and that was ninety six, and that's when they split up. Split up. So right. I I was just just a bit too late. And yeah, I mean, we 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 were too young to go to. Yeah, yeah, we didn't go to grunge gigs at the time. We you know whatever we listened to, we yeah. 
Yeah, my I mean, my my brother um before he passed, you know, he's what sort of 10, 12 years older than me. And he was he was he was a big 80s and early 90s heavy metal fan anyway. He was he was of that age, but you know, the Almighty were one of his favorite acts because he was just at that right sort of age. So, you know, when you're in your your sort of early tw- late teens, early twenties, around mm. sort of Donington 94, 95, that was kind of the end of it. That was the end of the the leather jacket, long hair denim you know it was all starting to die out by then wasn't it maiden was sort of passing on as they were it was i think almighty were just they were in that market and it just that's where it ended so you know but but there's always space for bands like that to come back and do their thing as they as they proved last week well, i need to yeah i'm going to investigate them because i need to yeah i'll check out i'll check them out i was putting I mean, in, in my mind i always think of them in the same bracket as therapy is that fair or are they different a bit more, I, a bit more old school, a bit more motorhead. I think yeah. it is, is, than than therapy would be. You know, there's 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 a fair chunk of motorhead in the Almighty Sound, definitely. So it's okay. it's interesting because yeah. I mean, ther- I mean, therapy are, for me, they're more of a punk band who who yeah. could be. That's you know, okay, their influence was hardcore stuff like Husker Do and yeah. uh, and whatnot. That they yeah, they had a metal background. Um, <clears throat> you know, the Almighty they they come from that sort of late eighties. British hard rock stuff. So, so their peers were bands like Gun, Thunder, right. Little Angels, right. The Choir Boys, Wolfsbane, uh, and, la- and later on the Wild Hearts. In fact, you know, I mean, in '93 they toured with the Wild Hearts and Curb Dog. I mean, Christ Almighty! <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's the tour I I I would just love to have gone to. But Brit Rock uh, Heaven, yeah. But and I think you know, Therapy, yeah, they they were a bit more alternative. And I think therapy wouldn't have got anywhere if it wasn't for grunge. I don't think they 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 were you know very indebted to that. I think that alternative stuff. Whereas yeah, alter, yeah, it was the whole alternative rock thing, yeah. wasn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think I think by sort of ninety four. I mean, you know, ninety four. Like I say, Mighty released Crank. Therapy released Trouble Gum. Both albums were produced by Chris Sheldon. Heavy yeah. as fuck. Really good sort of. You know, they complemented each other quite well. But um, yeah, there, there's there's a bit of a different. You know, difference there in terms of their um, their heritage. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, yeah, my number... well, 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 worth checking out. I think I'd, I'd be surprised if you didn't like. I'll check them out. Where should I start with their first album? Yeah, start with Blood, Fire, and Love because it's his debut album, nineteen eighty nine. Just think, if Motorhead were from LA, it probably would have sounded like that. Okay, that sounds yeah, good. So, uh, and that's that's a compliment. That's you know, by no means anything else. So, uh, yeah, look, you know, like, overall, it was one of my favorite gigs of the year. I think just because it's just, you know, it's always nice to see a band that never seen before, never thought you were going to see. So, yeah, yeah, fucking happy days. Um, On a slightly different note, last Tuesday, uh, while I was up here in Birmingham, I went to see Skinned. Now, um, not normally my type of thing. So if anybody doesn't know who they are, they also headlined the Sophie stage one of the nights of Bloodstock in the summer. And... uh, uh, I think Bean and a couple of our a couple of other people that were with us went to check them out and said said you know they're they're really good. Um, it's kind of industrial pop, I suppose, with a bit of a there's a bit of a goth tinge. It's it's quite current, I would say. It's quite now, um, but you know, look, went with a total open mind, um, and you know, I actually really enjoyed it. It's not the kind of thing that you know the bits I've listened to recorded haven't really filled me with much at all but live it all starts to come to life um the vocalist i i did 
look up her name, but I can't remember what it is, but unbelievable voice. Incredible, okay. just range from all the way down here to all the way up there and everything in between. Thought she was incredible. Um, and then it was it was drums, it was a bass player, and then sort of samples and keys and, and stuff like that. So you've got a little bit of nine inch nailsy stuff going in there and then just some alternative pop. But I, I just I just I was I found myself thinking they could translate this to a recorded format. So I think they'd be really good and I, I would be quite into it, but it just seems to fall a little bit flat recorded, but live I, yeah, I, I would urge anybody to to check them out. And it was a very metal crowd, which I was quite surprised at. There's a lot of patch jackets, you know, your usual metal cliches. Um, I was expecting it to just be full of teenage goths to be fair, but um, it really wasn't. So, I, I'm not. I don't suppose either of you have listened to them at all, have you? I haven't. I'll be honest. I haven't given enough of a go yet. I mean, I think I did try to uh, check them out in advance of Bloodstock, and I think they they didn't grab me at the time compared to others. I, you know, Same time, thing. Time yeah. and all that. Um, I think what they did, they struck me as they reminded me of a kind of um, sort of gothy new metal bands that were often played at the end of horror movies in the early noughties. Right. Okay. I get you. They yeah. got that sort of like that, that's, again. That's not a criticism or a, or a, or an attack. That's they've they got that kind of vibe. They've you know, it's an observation. Very, yeah, that sort of like you say, got, you know, popular gothic industrial. Um, and there yeah. was a lot of that in the early noughties, I think. You know, I think you know if, if Evanescence sort of did more Nine Inch Nails stuff, maybe that's kind of where where they're coming from. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, but it's a, I mean, I, I didn't dislike it. It was just, it was more a case of I've only got so much time to check things out and I, that didn't quite make the, um, make the pile, as it were, at the time. They, they may be up your street, to be yeah, fair. Could well be, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, do do check them out. But, you know, the kind of band, if, again, if they're at a festival again, I'm there, I, I, I will definitely go and check them out because, you know, it's, it's nice to be entertained. It's nice to be surprised when you're just thinking, I'm not sure what to expect for this, and you come away having enjoyed it. So, yeah, well worth checking out. Yeah, that's 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 always the case with a lot of bands out there. Is you know they build up a really good live um, live set. Yeah, and they, they nail that. Even if the songs aren't great at the point, they 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 focus on the live set, and that's that's kind of what you need to be doing because that's where the word of mouth comes, and that's where you make a living as well. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, the record, record, recording stuff okay you make a first album for it's all right you haven't got a great producer for example that that comes next yeah, that, that, yeah. that's that's normal and all that and then people reassess the first album and you build up the fan base and they can enjoy it so yeah it's it's i think give them a choice between a a great first album and a crap live show or a great live show and a so-so first album it's always the sec always a second choice because yeah that's, because that's what you do. You're a band. The point of a band yeah. is to play live and entertain and something. You, you, the rest comes. So, yeah, yeah, completely. Well, it was quite a big UK tour. I think it was, there was a fair few dates. So, I would imagine that the venue was sold out or certainly near as damn it. Um, probably held around about twelve hundred people. So, okay. you know, outside of London, that's all. That's always always a decent following. So, yeah, watch this space. You know, we'll see um see what happens from here. But anyway, enough waffle. Um before Nige falls asleep. You know, it's weeknights and you know, it's getting late. 
<laughs> yeah, it's almost eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's time to be tucked in. The uh, the nurse is coming around soon. Um, so we we dragged you on here for to we've been talking about it for a while. We thought you were the perfect person to come on here do this for the first time. We can try and do it properly now. <laughs> um, we didn't really stipulate anything in terms of genre or anything like that. So you know, it, it was a completely open forum. Just recapping eight records. You're on a desert island. Eight records, a luxury item, and an essential metal shirt. So, what's your first record? When we say luxury item, I think we should sort of stipulate from now on nothing ridiculous because it got out of. (laughs) We were talking about building the London Astoria on the bloody uh, on the island, or or, you know having a massive bazooka or something on a construction team and all that. Yeah, Yeah. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right with that. Yeah, 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 that's, that's fair or something to the gods of the, the flies or whatever so yeah let's i think we need to say from now on to our guests <laughs> a, a, a realistic luxury item maybe <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah so go on then what's um no particular order what's what's the first record on the list and we'll we'll yeah. sit and wait and either praise you or slag you off to the cows come home well i can tell you there's no beetles on the list so i've saved your uh i've saved you from that so yeah, my I try to sort of maybe I took this too seriously because as you know, I come from a thrash background. So I could easily have just picked eight thrash albums. But then I was thought, well, if these are supposed to be the only eight albums that you're allowed to listen to, then I kind of wanted to bring a bit of breadth as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you need, yeah, yeah. you've got to have you've got to have a bit of variety, haven't you? So anyway, well, as that said, <clears throat> obviously there's some thrash on here. And number one, this isn't in any particular order, but the one that this one probably is the number one because it was the first one I wrote down. Metallica and Justice for All. Metallica were my one of my two gateway bands into metal, specifically Ride the Lightning. Um, to be honest, I could have picked any of the first four yeah. albums. You know, Metallica were the first concert I ever went to. But Justice for All is the one over the years that I've gone back to, that I find myself going back to the most. So I yeah. think, and that's that's obviously not to say that the other, the first three I don't go back to, because obviously I do. They're all fucking masterpieces in their own way for me, right? And they mean a lot to me. But Justice is the one that I listen to still to this day the most often. For me, it's got, you know, they were at their most technical. I think Hetfield's riffs, were never better than on that record. I think for me, it's got their, it's got my favorite fast Metallica song, Blackened, which I think is just absolutely fucking phenomenal. What a way to piece. In terms of album openers as well, it doesn't get much better than Blackened. Exactly. It's like, it's my favorite, I was going to say, it's my favorite fast Metallica song and it's my favorite opening song, possibly on any album. Certainly my favourite Metallica opener. It's got my favourite, this is tough, but it's got my favourite sort of slower ballad, right? I mean, obviously Fate of Black's amazing, Sanitarium's amazing, but I think for me, one is just a phenomenal song. And for me, it's one of those songs that last, I don't know how long it is, but it's like seven minutes, but it feels like it lasts two minutes. You know, it's just got so much, so much great stuff in there. I think the deep cuts on Justice are brilliant. 
Freight Ends of Sanity is just so good. Eye of the Beholder, Harvester of Sorrow, which is always a single. But for me, it's just got everything. And people bitch about the production, but I think it fits perfectly because it's got this kind of cold, like, like sort of almost like impersonal kind of feeling to it which sort of matches the lyrical content a little bit because it's all to yeah. do with... For me, it's got a fantastic instrumental. It's not my favourite Metallica instrumental because that's Orion, but it's got an amazing instrumental. The last track is amazing as well. Incredible lyrics, another amazing fast song. For me, it's just it's just fucking perfection. And I don't think they ever... I think, I think that as an album, I don't think they ever did better. It's also really fucking long. So if you're on a desert island, you've yeah, got a bit of that, yeah. haven't you? <laughs> it's, it's, I think when I sort of listened to it first time in a while, actually, um, a few months back, last year, whenever it was, it's, it's just how much there is going on. Because I think I probably, I, I didn't listen to it as much compared to the other classics because I think the production just put me <laughs> off. It, 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 it had that. Yeah, it, it put me off simply, and I love production on the earlier albums. Um, but it's at, it's at a point where you're sort of used to it, but it it it's, it always gives its its own personality, doesn't it? It it's yeah. Um, yeah. It, those those riffs and those you know the breadth of it, it. It's it's almost got a sort of different dimension, and it's I don't I know it's a word that's probably not appropriate, but it, it feels very cyber in a way, very futuristic. Uh, yeah, totally. Like machi- machine-like, I guess. Yes, yes, you know? absolutely. Mechanical, clinical, yeah. almost. This, you know, mechanical. Yeah. What well, more superlatives can you give it? Look, it, it is a funny one, Justice, because you're right. You know, it's like song-wise, it is just fucking incredible. When, like, you what you watch back now? When you Metallica, your first show, what tour was that? Master of Puppets. Fuck me. Right. Okay. You go back to things like that, um, that ridiculous show in Moscow and, and stuff like that, yeah. and, and and how particularly Harvester of Sorrow sounded then when it came to life in a live stage. That's what makes you realize what great fucking songs they are because just sound huge. Yeah. You know totally. I, mean? I, you know, I saw, as I think I've mentioned when we've had beers and stuff, I saw Metallica on this most recent tour. I saw, I went to one of the nights in Paris back in May this year and they played Harvester as the set, I think it was the second song. And it was just like, fucking hell, this song's amazing. You know, and I'd seen, I'd seen them play one tons of times. I'd seen them play Creeping Death tons of times. Obviously they're amazing songs, right? But Harvester, I think I'd seen them play once a long time ago, but not since then. And But listening to it then was just like, fuck, man, this is so good. And it's like, and then when you think they were 27 when they wrote it or something, it's just like, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like possibly the most Hetfield Metallica song, if that makes sense. Like all yeah. Hetfield's like vocal strength and lyrical strength, it, it comes out in every possible way on that song. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's just, I just think that the, whole, the whole album is just, and I think, you know, the production point is a really interesting one because I agree with you that the production is definitely can be an acquired taste. You know, back in the 80s, I was listening to a bunch of really fucking ropey early, you know, German thrash, which sounded terrible. So actually, back in the day, I didn't listen to Justice and go, God, this production's terrible because I had loads of albums that sounded way worse than that, yeah. you know. 
And I think what's interesting is, you know, if you listen on you or if you watch on YouTube now, you know, they've done that justice for Jason thing where they've kind of worked out a way. Yeah. Of, I, I don't know if they've boosted the bass or whether they've somebody's re-recorded the bass over the top. So you can, and it, yeah, okay, it might sonically it might be better, but, but I think it loses something as well, which is really interesting, right? It's like even if you even you know J Jason was a great bass player, right? But without the bass on that album gave it a charm all of its own which is kind of weird saying that but yeah well we, we've also lived with it for more than three decades so it's to change it now just seems fucking stupid what, what what's the point what you know what i mean it's yeah you could say exactly. that about like like you said so many metal albums are oh, the production's not great let's redo it there's no point it is what it is and it stood the test of time so you know exactly. great first choice great first choice What's number two then? Let's go straight in. Next one. But number two, kind of cheating a bit. I wasn't sure what your stance was on, not compilations exactly, but anyway. So my second choice is Iron Maiden Live After Death. Yeah, I had that. Fair enough. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so that means it's... it's <laughs> so <clears throat> first of all, Iron Maiden was the other of my gateway albums into Mel. Power Slave, specifically. To give you the brief story, a mate of mine basically gave me a... This was when I was... It was probably been like late 85, so I was like 13 and a half, roughly. And a mate of mine gave me a C90, and on one on side A was Power Slave, and side B was Ride the Lightning. Oh. Which is pretty... And I'd never heard metal before, right? And I was 13, I was young, right? And I was... So I listened to side A... Power Slave, mind blown. Listen to side B, Ride the Lightning, mind blown again. <laughs> and then my third pick coming up, mind blown again. But anyway, so anyway, so Live After Death, it was it was a tricky one because I had to have Iron Maiden in there somewhere because they're such an important band to me. Um, the problem is, is that for me, I think my favorite Maiden album flip-flops between Power Slave and Seventh Son. But the problem is if you pick Seventh Son, then there's so many songs that I just love and were so formative to me when I was a teenager that obviously wouldn't be on there. So eventually I went with Live After Death just because I think it's got, okay, I don't get the Somewhere in Time and Seventh Son classic songs, which I love. But I think for me, first of all, I think it's the best live album ever released, first of all. Second of all, I think it's got really great, almost definitive versions of some of their classic songs. Like, I think the version of Hallowed Be Thy Name is better than it is on Number of the Beast. You know, Absolutely unreal version of that song. Incredible. I think Rhyme the Ancient Mariner, I, I prefer the live version to the Power Slave version. Um, I think Two Minutes to Midnight, I prefer on Live After Death compared to Power Slave. Um, so for me, it's just, and and it's essentially a greatest hits. I know it's live, but it's essentially a greatest hits. You look at the fucking track listing. It's just, you can't fucking, you can't argue with it. It's just every song is an absolute fucking classic and it's performed brilliantly well. Um, it's made, it's made an on fire at that point, isn't it? They've hit an absolute peak in yeah. terms of like live. Cause that's when they obviously broke the States and the, the stage show just went yeah. silly to be quite honest with you for 984, 985. And, yeah, they they are just on an absolute high at that point, so it makes total sense. Yeah, and I didn't see you know I I was I didn't see them on obviously on that tour, but I guess so. I guess Maiden 
uh, I guess Live After Death was the first Maiden album that was released after I became a fan. So I guess it was, yeah. so Power Slave was the first one I heard. And then Live After Death, by the time that came out, I was a fan. So yeah, I mean, it's just, again, it's just for me, it's got, it, it's just got everything. And it's, you know, with live albums, I think sometimes either the sound isn't as good, or obviously the sound isn't as good as it is on the, in the studio, but I think for in lots of live albums, I think end up sounding weaker for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of live albums generally, but I think in that instance, I think they just absolutely nail it, and most of it, I think, sounds better than the studio studio records. I think. Yeah, I think it that album it, it captures something. It's not just a live recording. It it captures a bit of a moment in time. That might be a bit cliched, but. It does because after that, while Maiden still, you know, had Summer in Time and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, there was, you know, I think their personal relationships and things were starting to decline by that point. And, you know, it was kind of like that's what I mean by they hit a peak around about then. Yeah. Um, and then obviously after Seventh Son, it, it kind of went a little bit wrong. You lose a song like Adrian Smith, you know, it's going to change. But, yeah, live after death. I think. I think actually. I think actually. I chose best of the beast rather than live after death. But yeah. it was. It was always going to be a toss up between the two. Yeah, I, th- I think you've got to re- recall that point in time, and we we know about nineteen eighty six thrash. So we talk. We can talk about that for days. But the year before eighty five, you know, as a point of heavy metal, purely because of that tour. You know, on the other side of America, the the, the glam stuff, which you know, was as heavy metal. Yeah, 85 to 86 was was just a glorious time to be into metal. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, obviously, know, which obviously I did think at four or five years old. <laughs> well, you know, I was kind of, you know, I, obviously I didn't realise it at the time, but with the benefit of hindsight, you know, I was kind of lucky to have been, so I was born in 72, right? So I was, I was, I turned 14 in March of 86. Right, absolute prime. So arguably, I was a little bit okay. I would love to have been five years older because I would love to have seen, you know, I would love to have been five years older and been born in San Francisco, right? Because then you could have seen, <laughs> you know, I could have seen Metallica when they were small and seen Slayer when they were small and, and yeah. X. Yeah. But obviously, that aside, you know, I was I was born at a, a pretty great time because it was a formative. You know, it's, it's most people's, I don't know when it was that you first got into music, but most people, I guess, get into music between, say, 13 and 15. Yeah. It, yeah. That Absolutely. was, that was for me, was 85 to 87, right? So. Yeah, a little, little, bit, little bit younger for me, but again, I had the whole older brother thing, so yeah, it, I didn't. it was an easy thing. It started about 10, roughly, for me. Yeah. But, yeah, same kind of principle, so, yeah. It was, it's bizarre, you know, everything you said sort of strikes a chord because I, yeah, I, we, we, myself and Tregenza, we were born in 1980, so we were right. 80s, 80s kids. I I had a, well, I've got, I've got an older sister and she was, um, she was born in 71. Okay. And so she was, she turned 13 in 84. Yeah, she's a year older than me. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I was four years old, but she was the right bang on the right age to get into Madonna. Perhaps right. In fact, that was her style for two, three years, basically Madonna. Um, but by that point, she she was already into Duran Duran and Culture Club and Wang. And those were the first artists I listened to regularly as a very little boy. 
but I listened to the charts with her every Sunday. I played board games with her. I watched Top of the Pops with her. Yeah, my sister, I owe a lot to my sister for getting me into good contemporary music because my parents, they met through country music. So Boom. I'm so I'm so glad I, I you know, I, I owe a lot to my sister. I really do. Um, you know, the chart stuff, I kept listening to the chart stuff into the 90s, liking the odd rock track here and there. And of course, by 94, Britpop, indie, Britrock, pop punk, that's when it all happened for me. But what was interesting about my sister is she was, uh, yeah, so because of her age, she, um, there was a couple of lads in her class at school. Um, one of them was the older brother of my mate at school, and the other was actually the, the teenage son of our, our vicar. Um, okay. And I can remember both of them, massive Iron Maiden fans, and I had acts because of the, my social life as a kid, I had access to both of their bedrooms. And I, I, I say my first memory of Iron Maiden is going into one of those bedrooms and seeing the massive Somewhere in Time poster and Cyborg Eddie. And that's kind of why I've got the back patch, because as much as Seven Sun is my favourite album, that was it. That was what imprinted on my mind as my first Eddie. Um, and also, yeah, my sister was never into Iron Maiden, um, no. but it, 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 it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it just shows exactly that that was it. And you know, eight, mid eighties, you're a teenage boy. You were probably into Iron Maiden if you didn't like pop. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think from from memory, at school there were kids who were into, yeah, chart, you know, chart stuff, right? Then there was the metal kids, and there weren't that many of us. And then there were kids that were into like the Smiths and the Cure, you know. Like those... the Smiths. Oh God, he's so fucking annoying. Well, <laughs> Mark Morrissey. Mark Morrissey, we like Mark. Yeah, John, Johnny Marr got no issue with, but fuck Morrissey, one of the biggest cunts on the planet. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so no, 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 that's, that's it, yeah. There were th- kind of, as I remember, there were three kind of groups musically anyway. Yeah, fair so anyway, Yeah, Live After Death, just fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think if, if yeah, if, if you're going to throw, I mean, we could have stipulated things like you must have a live album, you must have a best of or whatever, but it, it's you're right, you've got to think, you know, of a particular band, how can I cover as as much of the bases as, as possible, sort of thing? And yeah, live after death kind of nails it. But um, right, let's go straight in then. Number three, what's next? Right. So number three was the third. As I said, mind blown. Number one was hearing Power Slave. Mind blown. Number two was hearing Why the Lightning. Mind blown. Number three was hearing Slayer, and specifically, I could have picked Rain in Blood, and I'm not being a kind of a as a, a contrarian for the sake of it, but I've gone with Halloweights. Because okay. I absolutely love Rain in Blood. It's just it's a it's a it is a fucking masterpiece for a reason. But personally, for me, Hello Eights means more to me because um, it was the first. Okay, Ride the Lightning was kind of semi thrash, I guess, but Hello Eights was the first pure thrash album that I ever heard, and I have a distinct memory. Of so this mate of mine that gave me this C90 cassette, I have this distinct memory of we used to hang out together in his room a lot, and I have the distinct memory of listening to Morbid Tales by Kelly Frost in there. And the first time I heard Hello Eight was in his in his little we had this tiny little bedroom, these massive fucking speakers. Um, he had very long suffering parents, <laughs> and again my mind was absolutely blown. I was like, what the fuck? Having thought 
nothing can be heavier than Iron Maiden. Then thinking nothing can be heavier than Ride the Lightning. Then thinking what the f- what is what the fuck is this? This is like this is makes Ride the Lightning sound like fucking the Carpenters. <laughs> <laughs> and and so for me, Halloween means more to me than 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 Rain and Blood. I think as well, you know, I think it's still got all of the brutality. I think Hello Eights, the title track, is just a fucking absolutely crushingly fast song. Necrophiliac's got, I think, his most sick lyrics, you know, which is always good, really. Um, but I also think, but I also think it's got a lot more light and shade. You know, like Rain in Blood, and I'm, again, I'm going to get fucking crucified for this. But for me, like Rain in Blood is like one note right it just it starts and then it just fucking beats you to death with a hammer and then stops whereas hello eight has got light and shade and slow bits and fast bits and i think a song like well the intro to the title track is the perfect example of that slow building brooding you know right and and then like at dawn they sleep which is a top five Slayer song for me, but it's not that fast, you know. It's pretty, it's pretty slow, particularly the first half of it. You know, it's got a, it's got a groove, you know, and a stomp. It's not just like brutally fast all the time. So, I love the fact again the production's a little basic, obviously, but I think it really works with the album because it's got like a really, it makes the whole atmosphere of the album really sort of spooky and quite scary in a weird sort of way, and it's almost like. It's like raining blood is basically just like being hit with a hammer, right? Whereas Hello Eights is almost like being stuck in a horror movie, right? Because it's so kind of oppressive and it's like there's all this weird shit going on. You've got this guy yelling about shagging a dead body and and like what it's so I find it so it's spooky. It's a spook I find it a spooky album. And I don't think they ever did that as well again. It's you like know? being it's like being tortured over a period of months, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's got and that it's, sort of feel. It's just again and again. I think you know the 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 sort of the deeper cuts on that on the album as well. You know, like Crypts of Eternity, Hardening of the Arteries. Um, I mean, even at Dawn they sleep probably a bit of a deep cut. You know, yeah. But probably is, it's just yeah. the, the whole album is just. I just think it. I think it's just fucking unbelievable. You know, and again for kids who are what were they? What were they? Twenty when they did that? Twenty one yeah. or something? It's just like. It's so I think it's amazing. Obviously, I think Radiant Blood is amazing as well. Um, but you keep, you keep sort of fucking worming that in so you don't <laughs> get it. so you don't get slated for it's because this was the hardest. It's because this was the hardest one. That this was the hardest decision because I knew I had to have Slayer in there, but I'm just like, how can I not put Rain in Blood in? And I'm like, no, nah, I just no, nah, I feel more I, I, of an affinity. I get it. I mean, what you said about Rain and Blood is is bang on. It, it's perfect for what it is, mm. but what it is 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 very. It's root one. Mm. It is. So it's know, just, it's just yeah, you're right. It's just root one as good as it gets. Yeah, isn't it? But do you think that the you know Show No Mercy as well and Hell Awaits the, the albums that get forgotten about because of Raining Blood, right? Exactly. And that's the shame because I think we've talked about it before with Show No Mercy that we love the production on Show No Mercy. It's just, it's that perfect yeah. level of rawness. It's just, it's filth, it's evil, it's nasty, mm-hmm. you know? And and like I say, Hell Awaits is like, like I said, being tortured over a period of months. And then Rain and Blood is the moment where they come in and finish you off with a hammer. 
So it's um, and then south of south of heaven is when they make sweet love to your dead corpse. It's it's it's, it's all of that. That my favorite yeah. Slayer album is South of Heaven, and it's you think about it, it's daft because they got slated for South of Heaven because it was slow, and they mm. were called slower. But you're right, Hella Waits isn't all balls out speed, so it's not like Slayer hadn't done it before, you know. So I, I think it's a great fucking choice. Yeah, it's just it just means the it means the most to me, and I t- it takes me back. It takes me back to being a teenager and sitting in my mate's bedroom, just listening to, just having my mind blown again and again. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Just listening to this music that I had no idea really what it was. You know. But- well, the first time I'd heard "Hello Waits," the title track is on "Decade of Aggression," and that is just pure evil. It's amazing. Yeah. You know. So yeah, how how can you how can you not have have an appreciation for that? Um. Right, I tell you what, let's uh, let's have your luxury item. I'm I'm massively intrigued to know what this will be. No, the thing is, it's kind of boring because. And don't say slippers or a fucking <laughs> duvet or. Care bear, care bear pajamas. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, so because I'm a because I'm a vinyl nerd, my luxury item would have to be um, a turntable and a, and speakers. So. It would have to be an amazing stereo just because otherwise you can't listen to anything, you know? So well, for yeah, me, yeah, you're not going to do it on the cheap, are you? So for me, it would be, it would be a kick-ass turntable speakers amplifier, which is, I think, realistic. Although obviously there's logistics of, is there electricity on this island? I guess there is. <laughs> so, well, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a fucking way, you know, so yeah, some offshore sustainable yeah. power or something you know look you're on a desert island you've got time on your hands you you need to try things out don't you you know exactly and if you can create sustainable power off the back of it then, then why the fuck not so you know but yeah that that makes that makes total sense but um you're right it is a bit boring i think you can do better than that I mean, the idea, if you play slayer then you're going to attract foes at some point because they'll hear you <laughs> that's true yeah that's true yeah that's the point actually if it's fucking loud enough right. then you know you might get rescued but then again, well, you might be quite happy on the island with your eight records. So <laughs> nah, fuck off, leave me alone. Yeah, sorry, that was more of a bo- that was a boring, a more boring choice. But I couldn't think of anything more, um, more uh, essential. Well, <laughs> right? it make it makes more sense than a construction team and the London Astoria. So you know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Um, all right, record number four. What's next? So record number four is the last of the thrash ones. I had to include. So I think my favorite thrash band of all time is Coroner. I talk about. Yeah, I've, I've seen you, you. You've talked about Coroner a lot. It's a weird one, that one. There's a few. There's a few people on Coroner on on Twitter who are like, it's like if you know, then you know, right? And yeah. Coroner, yeah. For me, if you haven't checked out Coroner, then I don't know if you have or not. But if you haven't, then just fucking go. Yeah, I've seen them. I've, I've seen them live. Yeah, I do. So interestingly, I've never seen Coroner live. I've had oh, tickets. To, I've had tickets to see them on three separate occasions. On, on every occasion, for some reason or other, I wasn't able to go. Not through my fault. It was either COVID or then they were playing at a festival, and then the festival got cancelled. That was in Dublin. Anyway, um, so for me. I could have picked any one of their albums, but for me, the first one, R.I.P., is just, just again, mind-blowing technicality. It's like basically shredding, but managing to be just to remain brutal. It's progressive without being 
wanky. You know, I don't really like progress. Progressive music's generally too complicated for my brain. You know, I just want to you know, give me a riff, you know, but <clears throat> Coroner for me managed to basically be, to keep everything brutal, brutal vocals, but with incredible melodic passages, amazing riffs, just fucking mind blowing. And for me, you know, I could have, on a different day, I could have gone for their second album, which is called Punishment for Decadence. But I, in the end, I went for their first one, R.I.P. Again, obviously, first one I heard came out in 87. I think I heard a song on the Friday Rock Show, which was the only way to hear metal on the radio back in the 80s. Um, and I was just fucking blown away. Um, it's just full of incredible incredible guitaring incredible songs reborn through hate is i would say probably their signature you know that's kind of their equivalent of angel of death i suppose or you know it's just it's just fucking amazing but there's just every every song on that album you know is just is just um i, I just sit there and think i'm never ever going to be able to play this in a million years so there's no point in trying and sure enough i'm i'm correct i can't play any of it <laughs> 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 yeah, I've um, I've I've seen them. They were they were Bloodstock in two thousand. I just googled it. I think it was two thousand eleven. Um, yeah. I wasn't all that familiar with them, but I do remember. I remember being taken aback by how powerful they were, and um, they they had that kind of presence that you get from certain bands. Um, and I went away and listened to them a little bit more, and I quite like what I heard. But I haven't really listened to them much since. Um, off the back of this, I will uh, you know, do the decent thing, and I'll. I'll go and give them another go. But um, but yeah, it is one out of left field. It, it's a weird one. They don't hear many people talking about Coroner. No, they're just, they're just, um, yeah, they're kind of weirdly underground, but also really heralded as being one of the great kind of lost, not lost thrash bands, but like a real, like a real cult thrash band, a bit like yeah. violence, you know, a bit like violence, right? Yeah. Similar, right? Um, but just the amazing thing is, you know, they're a three piece, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. just, phenomenal the fact that the bass player often so the bass player is the vocalist but the bass player often follows the riffs which are really really complicated and the bass player follows the riffs with a bass line so this is not metal where the bass is just kind of essentially playing the root note the bass plays the riff as well and the guy's singing at the same time and it's just like how the fuck do you even do that it's a bit like watching Dave Mustaine right and you're like how the hell are you playing that riff and singing but this guy's doing it on bass, which is arguably a bit harder because the strings are harder to, to to manage and so on. It's just, it's just, yeah. I just think they're a fucking brilliant band. For me, I could have picked any of their albums, but I think as I was doing this list, I'm like, it's got to be the first one. So that if if you're going to dive into Coroner, I'd probably go, I'd probably go chronologically because they generally get more progressive and less thrashy as they go on. So if you start towards the end, you might think, "This is what is this? This is a bit too proggy for me." I know, I know, you're like me that you don't, you're not a massive fan of really progressive metal. Fuck no. So I'd start with the first one, R.I.P., and go from there. Right, added to uh, added to library. I shall, uh, I shall do the uh, do the usual. Yeah, but yeah, looking forward to that. Like I said, from what I remember of them, I thought they were really good, but I, I, they haven't really stuck with me. So uh, you know, but then my you know my tastes have shifted a fair bit. In the last sort of decade, so uh, yeah, I'll give them. I'll give them a go. Are you familiar with them, Anne? No. I'm nah. 
But then, then yeah. again, it's like, like I say, the journey, there's still quite a few fresh bands that I want to, next year I want to properly rinse the 80s and early 90s. Um, but the underground stuff, so yeah, there are, yeah, there are a few fresh bands, and that's one of them. So I will get to them. I'll do the same. Um, sorry, I was literally just add, adding them to uh, to my iTunes library as we speak, so I uh, so I don't forget. But, um, uh, so what was that? That's number four. So we're halfway. What's uh, what's next on the list? So next, going backwards into the seventies, um, and Sabbath, Master of Reality. Again, could have picked a number of Sabbath albums, but in the end, Master Reality for me is the one that has the strongest songs, the best atmosphere. It's essentially a template for pretty much every stoner and doom album that followed it. So it's really important. For me, it contains their one of my two favorite Sabbath songs, which is a bit of a deep cut, Lord of This World. Um, great tune. Fucking great tune. Oh, and the thing is, I, it was one of those ones, weirdly, that I wasn't particularly familiar with. I mean, I did like it, but I wasn't particularly, I didn't appreciate how good it was until about, so before Chupacabra formed, um, I was playing um, in a band and we were doing some kind of, we were doing our own stuff, but we also did a few covers. And one of them was Lord of This World, which the singer, our singer who was, who had previously been in, he'd been Ozzy Osbourne in a big Sabbath tribute band. So he kind of brought it. It was like, when we play this song, when we used to play this song live, everyone used to go crazy, even though it's not one of the really big, you know, it's not War Pigs or Paranoid or something. Well, okay. So and then it's one of those songs I had a really new appreciation for once we, once we'd started playing it. And it's just like, God, this song's fucking, it was so much fun to play. And then it's just become my favourite Sabbath song, along with a national acrobat off Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. But yeah, I just think, you know, Children of the Grave, Into the Void, it's just it's just got fucking the best Sabbath riffs all over the place. And as I said, it's just, you can, you can hear, you can basically trace a direct line back from every Stoner and Doom album that came after it, right back to somewhere on master reality and i think it's just it's fucking brilliant so yeah I, I, i'm i'm with you it's my favorite sabbath album it's got children of the fucking grave on it i mean in, hmm. when you're thinking tony iomi and riff that's always the one that's the go-to for me is children of the grave it's it's everything that sabbath did right is all in that song and particularly that riff and I mean, yeah, you you could argue that the album is a little bit, you know, the couple of interludes in there might be a bit short for what it is. Not enough songs, mm -hmm. but it's you got to think about, you know, the first what the first six Sabbath records were what three and a bit years, four years, right? Pops, you know, so they churned out a lot of material in a short space of time. But yeah, Master Reality is just. Yeah, it, it's just it's almost perfection. It really is. You could have picked any of the first six, I think, if you're going to go with Sabbath. Yeah, I think you know it was a tough call for me between that one and and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. There, my that's my other kind of favourite one. I think. Um, but you're right. I mean, any of those first six are just fucking unbelievable. And again, you know, as I said at the beginning of the beginning of this conversation, you know, I didn't, I really hadn't heard much Sabbath in the eighties. You know, I just didn't hear much. I probably heard Paranoid on the radio and probably heard yeah. some stuff. It was really only in the 90s when I went backwards and, and was digging into what what the 80s bands that I loved, who had influenced them. And that's when I discovered Sabbath, Zeppelin, Aerosmith, you know, all those bands. So 
I came to Sabbath late, I guess, you know, in the 90s. But fuck, what a band. You know, but you come to Sabbath whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sabbath, I mean, I think a lot of 70s stuff probably fell by the wayside in the 80s because there was so much going on. Yeah. And yeah. getting faster and heavier and the look, the look and feel was very different. And I think, um, you know, Ozzy's focus was on his solo stuff and mm. Sabbath, the leftover Sabbath, they weren't producing great material by the mid 80s, were they at least? So I did quite probably... like Headless Cross though, actually. I did quite like that record, but yeah, I like Headless Cross. I think it's a great album. Yeah, like Devil and Daughter's a great song and, and um the title track's a great song. But you're right. I mean, but that but that Sabbath doesn't sound anything like no Aussie Sabbath, you know. No, no, no. And that's the weird thing about Sabbath. I think all the different incarnations there were, um, they all kind of sound a bit a bit different. We won't really talk too much about Born Again. No. Um, but Dehumanizer I really like as well. You know, another one that, yeah. that gets a little bit of a little bit of a dig. And you know, Bean is is one of the the biggest advocates of of the uh, the the underrated Sabbath material. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. Even the Tony Martin stuff, like I said, Headless Cross. It's it's it, look. You've got Tony Iommi, so you're gonna get something, aren't you? You're gonna get something good from it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. He, even his um his solo album that was. Fuck me. Tail end of the 90s, early 2000s, was it? Had loads of different vocalists on it. Um, even that, oh, I think he's got some good stuff on it. Seventh Star, is it called? Is that what, is that what I you I can't fucking remember. I can't remember what it was called. No, but... Seventh, Seventh Star was what he did in 86, I think. So, um... Yeah, this was a solo album in, in the ve- either the very late 90s or very early 2000s. Oh, okay. With loads of different vocalists. And um, I think it's just called Iomi. Hmm. Um, I think... Oh, I think... yeah. I think, I think that was early noughties. Yeah, very early noughties. We were students, I think, roughly when when that came out. I think you've got, um, you know what? Let me, let me have a look. I'm pretty sure you've got like skin from Skunk and Nancy, and various other people. Let me let me have a look. Yeah. Um, you talk it's amongst yourselves while I, uh, <laughs> while I while I look it up. I was just trying to look up the. Uh, so yeah, you had skin from Skunk and Nancy, Phil Anselmo, Dave Grohl, Pete Steele, Ozzy Osbourne, Ian Asprey. That's the one I remember. Flame on. Yeah. Yeah. Surge from System of a Down. You've got Henry Rollins, Billy Corgan, uh, Billy Idol. <laughs> Peter Steele. You know, there, there are some great names on there. So, yeah, if, if you're not familiar with it, I'll check it out because there is some good stuff on it. Okay. And it's just called Iomi, is it? It's just called Iomi. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was good content. The one where we're sitting here Googling shit. Let's go on to the next one then before we try anything different. what uh, Where are we? Number six? Number six. So this is this is like a bit of a unusual or surprising pick because I wanted to make sure that not everything I picked was released 40 plus years ago or 35 plus <laughs> years ago. If there's one album that means more to me over the past couple of years than anything else, it's an album that came out last year, Inixorum, and the ba- and the album's called Equinox Vigil. I've seen you post this a couple of times on I think, I think I've had a brief listen to it, but not much. And I don't want to get too heavy in everything here, but a couple of years ago, I went through this horrendous personal thing, which kind of upended my life. And that's kind of about the same time. I'd been on, I'd been on metal Twitter for a while. I'd been on Twitter for a while, but I hadn't kind of fully sort of started interacting with people and until really the beginning of 2022. And that's when I discovered 
that there was this amazing community of people that were sharing music and like recommending new stuff. And obviously there was like K-Man who was doing his Friday drops. And I was like, God, and this, this is like where I realized up until that point, I think I, in terms of new music, all I was really interested in doing was trying to find new thrash, right? That was it because I was a thrash guy, basically. Everything else, I was perfectly happy just to be stuck listening to my old Maiden albums and old Sabbath albums and Candlemas and stuff. But the more I got into the more I got into metal Twitter, X, whatever it's called. Um, ah, fuck that. The more yeah. I realised that there was there was so much amazing new metal coming out all the time. There was an amazing community of people, and also my so my mind or my ears, I should say, were being kind of broadened beyond just what I was listening to. Right, yeah. so I started listening. To, I started being more open to listening to more death metal and more black metal and not much. So that's point one. Then point two, I'm not really, a, I've never really been a black metal fan. I don't like the stuff. I don't like the kind of the true, you know, early Norwegian. I just think it sounds shit. And that's, that's like, because most of it is shit. It's <laughs> like, I can understand that it was important and I can understand that, you know, I can understand in a bit of a similar way to how punk was reacting against yeah. Yeah. the Zeppelin type stuff. I can understand, I can, I can see its place. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's pointless. It's just for me, it doesn't do anything at all. All those things combined. Inixorum came out, I think, in June of last year. So June 2022. It's a, essentially a black metal album, but it's just a lot more than that. And I listened to it and I was just like, this is the most fucking unbelievable thing I've ever heard. And I was, and it made me realize that's the thing. It made me realize that opening your ears and opening your mind to a whole broader range of metal. Okay, you might still not love, I still don't love loads of black metal. I still don't love loads of death metal. But when something hits properly, it doesn't matter what genre of metal it is. Yeah. It can be, yeah. And so the Inexorum album is incredibly important to me because it sort of symbolizes this opening of, it symbolizes the opening of my mind to all these different types of metal and symbolizes this sort of discovering this amazing metal community on Twitter, which obviously you guys are an integral part of. So many other podcasts are so many people just sharing stuff all the time. K-Man doing what he does, you know, it's just, and it's an, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing, you know? Um, but anyway, the album itself, it's just mind blowingly technical, but it still manages to be really melodic and really heavy. It's progressive without ever being wanky and, and pretentious. It's got it's it is a black metal album in the sense of it's got some it's got blast beats and it's got black metal type vocals, but it's just got so much musicality to it. Dynamics, light and shade. It's just it's got an it's epic. The production's amazing, which obviously is not you know it makes it sound nothing like Norwegian black metal. I just think it's a fucking masterpiece. And honestly, I've listened to, I haven't kept a tally, but I would be amazed if there's been any other album that I've listened to more since June of 2022 than that, including all the all Metallica and Slayer and everything else. I've just listened to it so much. And I think the other thing that I, it's really interesting about it is it's the only album where I don't really know the names of the songs. 
I can't, and the reason is, is because it's probably the only album that I listen to regularly where I literally just put it on, close my eyes and just listen to the whole thing from start to finish. Okay, I've got to flip the, flip the vinyl, but you know what I mean? It's like, for me, it just works as a whole piece of work, right? So for me, I don't even think about it in terms of, oh yeah, track two's good. And oh yeah, the first song on the side two's, is, is good and the last song is very good for me i just i think about it as this one body of work which i guess is what an album should be in its purest form you know and that's that's a rarity these days isn't it and a complete album that you actually listen to start to finish you know that's that's what makes the difference um yeah. what was the what was the what was the album title equinox vigil yeah how i you know how i didn't remember that I, you know Fucking... I don't recall us coming across that one last year. I know we were still sort of new to the podcast thing and we were, you know, we hadn't really probably dug into metal Twitter that much, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's in, it's in my library based purely because I've seen you post about it several times on, on Twitter, especially. Um, and yeah, you know what? I'll just back that up quickly as well. Twitter gets a lot of stick these days and, you know, outside of certain communities, Twitter, I'm not going to call it X, Twitter can be um, a platform for the for the vile, to be quite yeah. honest with you. But um, that community that's on there, the heavy metal community, and like you said, sharing new music and discovering new music and recommending deep cuts and all that kind of thing, I've never known a source of music quite like it. It's it's incredible, and like you said, every Friday morning. I get up really early on every day of the week for work, about 4.30 a.m. And one of the first things I do on a Friday is I go on Twitter and I start looking at K-Man's list. Yeah. And the mad fucker's still posting at that time in the morning because there's usually so many albums. And there's, there's so much great stuff I would never have heard this year if it wasn't for that and wasn't particularly for, for K-Man. So, yeah, oh. just, just to echo that sentiment, 100%. He's, he's, sorry, that album cover is beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? it is. That's lovely. That is a lovely album cover. <laughs> it really is, and it, it's just it, what a, what a fucking album. And and yeah, I think in fact it was to be fair. If you don't mind me giving a nod to one of your rivals, but I think it was Jimmy on the Bangers and Mosh podcast. We we was, don't we don't we don't have rivals, Nigel. Come on, no, I don't. I know everyone's, <laughs> I know everyone's friends, but I think it was. I think. It, it, it was it was him, I think, that it was in their monthly roundup, and he was like, I think he described it as, if you think if you think that this is blackmail and you and you don't like blackmail, therefore you shouldn't listen to it. Think again, because yes, this is blackmail, but it's nothing like you've you, nothing like you think blackmail sounds like. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. That's and, that's a great analogy, that because with, with blackmail, there's a lot of the stuff around these days, modern takes on blackmail, and even modern takes on old school punky blackmail. It makes you realise, and I, I know the true black male fans would slate me for this, and don't get me wrong, some of it I do like, but most of it, 95% of it, is dog shit. But these days, there are bands out there that are doing that kind of thing a million times better than what was happening in the early 90s. So, yeah, I I, I, I do get it, get it 100%. I'll, I'll have to give it a pro I have listened to it, but... Nothing has stuck in because I don't think I've given it enough time, but I, I, I will now. I'll go back and, I mean, and give it the proper value. Spotify, looking at my profile, 763 monthly listeners. So, oh, true, true cult blackmail these <laughs> days. That's, you know, that's that's the equivalent in the 90s of just having a demo tape, isn't it? So, yeah. 
I think the, the, the reason I sort of clicked with the name is because I know uh, their members have formed Majesties. Yes, exactly. Ah, oh, that's it. That of course it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah, now it's it Matthew. Matters. It's Matthew Kirkwald and Carl. What's his name? Skills Skildum. Is that his name? Mm, you don't know. You tell it's, me. It's, it's it's one of the guys from Majesties, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Which was which was another great album from this year. I mean, I I, I think I, I I may have overhyped it in my mind a little bit when I first heard a couple of songs. Wasn't as good as I'd hoped to be, but it was still a great album. So, you know, clearly. Quality songwriters, fair play. But yeah, so brilliant album and brilliant album in itself, but also brilliant album for what it means to me in terms of sort of yeah, discovering and embracing and being embraced by the metal Twitter community, which I think is, I agree, is just I've never known anything like it. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely agree. Right, so you've got two records left. Okay. One of I those, think, either one, either one of those two, going to go on. I thought we had. I thought he's got three records left. The three, what are we up to? What are we up to? Two, two, two left. left. Yeah, two left. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. Fuck off. Oh, um, <laughs> are either of those two going to create any shocks or surprises? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, Die, you've let me down. Uh, all right, okay. So uh, let's go straight with number seven then. Before we do, before we do anything else, what's next? Okay, number seven is back to the 80s and back to a traditional metal, um, Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith. The weird thing about Judas Priest is I was not into them at all back in the day. I think it's because by the time I got into metal in the mid-80s, I think Judas Priest were kind of on a bit of a down. I know now Turbo is like probably has a better reputation now than it did then. But I think back then Judas Priest were on a bit of a downward trajectory right with turbo and ram it down and then they came back with painkiller whereas i guess by comparison iron maiden were kind of really on an upward trajectory because they did power slave and then did somewhere in time which made them you know and then southern sun so for me judas priest back in the 80s didn't really register that much i thought i don't really like them but coming to them later i was just like fuck them man, they're amazing but particularly defenders of the faith i think is i think is particularly side one I mean, the whole album's great, right? But I think particularly side one is the most perfect 20 minutes, however long it is, of traditional heavy metal that it's possible to get. I don't think it gets any better. Free Will Burning, Jawbreaker, Rock Hard Ride Free, Sentinel. But it's fucking hell, man. Just one song after another. Just like, this is like perfect heavy metal. Perfect. The, Sentinel, the Sentinels are massively underrated Judas Priest song. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think it's... I, I think it's their best song. I think it's their best song. It's just absolutely. I think I had a big conversation about that with somebody on Twitter, and I was like, "Like, the Sentinel is the best fucking Judas Priest song ever, or possibly the best heavy metal song ever." <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell! That, yeah, that's that's a that's a different conversation altogether. But um, I just think you know, for me, it's like I don't know. Like for me, it's like if somebody if that if there's that question of like. If somebody said somebody who'd never heard metal before or never heard music before and said, What is heavy metal? I think I would play them Defenders of the Faith and say, This is heavy metal. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, you, you say about you know the, the sort of 80s priest and that sort of downward trajectory. I am a sucker for, but you know, slightly naff, cheesy 80s oh. Judas Priest, which I get grief from 
from uh, from this man over I'm, here. I'm, no, no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I can see I can see the attraction of Ram It Down, and I love Turbo. So. Yeah, Ram, Ram It Down is probably my favourite Priest album, which you know, it's, it's which, which I do get some stick for. No, it's a very eighties production, and I'm down with that. Yeah, I think it was more just at the. You know, again, I think it's more at the time. Like now, I really like it. I, but I think again, it was at the time. Judas Priest just weren't really res- they weren't really resonating with the teenage. I can see people. that. Yeah. 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 Really, whereas I made it, and I always kind of consider them as being almost like the same kind of band, right? Yeah. For me, Iron Maiden were everywhere on the, all the time, whereas Judas Priest just weren't really. You know, yeah, in, that, in, that the, in the UK. Because obviously the UK is always it's a bit more po face. It's always more concerned with the contemporary stuff and what's cool. Um, and as much as we can say, you know, I made were were brilliant. Um, it's like oh, you know, British press didn't really want to give a shit about anyone else apart from made in terms of modern British metal. Um, and I think by that point, Judas Priest were I don't want to say past it because that's bollocks, but I think the press didn't. They were like, now nah, priest, priest are old school. They they peaked with British Steel. Anything after that, we're not interested in because there's other metal. Whereas in America, that's where they, you know, kept up kept up their career. If it wasn't for America, Judas Priest could have fallen by the wayside in the eighties completely. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I think that's it. They have the late seventies in Britain to an extent, and the eighties is, but they just effectively relocated to America because Britain, Britain was like, no, we've got Maiden and Motorhead yeah. to an extent. And that's fine. And also, again, when you've got Thrash, yeah. you know, and Judas Priest and making stuff like Turbo by 86, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. It was just yeah. It's weird, you know, whereas now I think, <clears throat> obviously, I still love Maiden, but I think now I listen to Priest more. I think I listen to Defenders of the Faith more than any Maiden album now. I listen, I listen to Priest more these days than I ever have done, mm. weirdly. It is an odd one, but... Um, but like you mentioned painkiller as well. What a fucking comeback! When you say they're on a downward trajectory, to come oh, back with that, yeah, yeah, you know, just, 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 you know, fucking incredible. Well worth incredible. Watching. But I think, but I think it's for me. I wouldn't. Oh, this is hard. I'm gonna. I'm going. I'm going into another crucified moment. But <laughs> I think painkiller is really, 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 really good. But I think it's slightly overhyped. By people, I, 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 I can I can see that to a certain extent. It is a fucking great album, but I, I can see I see what you mean. It's no way my favorite priest album. You know, for me it's number three. I think Defenders of the Faith is number one. Scream of Vengeance is number two. Painkill is number three for me. Well, still, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting conversation we're going to have at some point in the future. So, yeah, right. we yeah we'll um we'll yeah we'll we'll do priest albums at some point in the. In the coming months, so um, right. So before we do your last album, then let's uh, let's talk metal shirts because of a man of your age, yeah. you know. You, you, I mean, you know, yeah. for, for, for like for us in the nineties and early two thousands, so like you know, the eighties metal shirts were the things that you kind of you sort of craved and you sought after in the early days of eBay and and whatnot. It's um, you know, yeah. that, that some of these were like the holy grail, so. What's that one shirt that you you wouldn't be able to live without? You're gonna bear in mind you're gonna sleep in it. You're gonna you know everything in that t-shirt. Well, so the thing is, well, so the thing is, I wasn't sure whether to. I've got I've got two right. So if it's one that I that I have owned at some point in my life but now don't, it would be the Master of Puppets tour shirt from eighty six. But if 
a but there's been there were a few shirts. I mean, I didn't go to as many gigs back then as I do now because obviously I didn't have the money and I was a kid, right? Yeah. But I did see Metallica on the Puppets tour. I saw Slayer on the Rain in Pain tour. I saw Iron Maiden on the Seventh Son tour, and I had shirts for all of those, right? I saw Motley Crue on the Doctor Feelgood tour. I didn't have a shirt for that weirdly, but anyway. Um, but either, but I threw them all away because a. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> B, <laughs> either A, I'm a fucking idiot. B, they fell apart because I wore them too much. And that was the, certainly the case with the Metallica one and the Slayer one. Or C, I just grew out of them. Because when I was a kid, I was about the same height as I am now, but I was about half the weight. So <laughs> Yeah, weren't now, we all, mate? Yeah. So, so now, if I still had them, I would. they would... it would just look silly I wish I had kept them of course I wish I had kept them just like I had fucking I had some I mean they were played with not not boxed but I had some original like Star Wars toys which apparently now are worth a load of money yep yep but they were to me they were toys and I I haven't haven't still gone you know it's like do I wish I'd kept them yeah but I was fucking seven years old I didn't know they were going to be exactly (laughs) yeah different times so yeah, so the answer is if it was one that I've owned at one point in my life, but now don't, then it would probably be the puppets. Yeah, the the, the damaging, the damaging ink um, uh, shirt from that tour. But if it's one that I own now, <clears throat> it's another one that actually that I got last year, which is um, a Merciful Fate long sleeve. So Merciful Fate headlined the, the Mystic Festival in. Poland last year and as yeah. part of that tour they did and they hadn't played together for a really long time and blah 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 and I was just it was one of those bands a bit like you were saying about the almighty at the beginning of the conversation right about a band that you never you never saw back in the day and you never thought that you would ever get to see and for me I was just like merciful fate man I never ever thought I would get to see merciful fate and I was just like like this is an, and they were amazing and I was like I've just got to get I've got to get a shirt and the shirts were fucking sick so I got a Merciful Fate Jackal of Salzburg shirt which is their new supposedly new album coming yeah. out next and it was just and, I, and the reason it's important to me is just because it's A it's a sick shirt but B it was a fucking amazing gig never thought I'd get to see them you know and also there was a weird and quite funny not no not funny story I was staying in a hotel and the following morning after after Merciful Fate had played, which I think was the Sunday morning, I went down to breakfast, got my eggs and stuff or whatever from the buffet, sat at the table, and on the next table to me was Hank Sherman, who was the Merciful Fate guitar player, Fucking having breakfast. And I was just like, and I don't get, I haven't met tons of famous people, but I generally am okay around famous people because I just think, well, they're kind of just normal guys. Yeah. And you, yeah. They always are, right? They're always just cool. But I was just completely fucking starstruck and I just couldn't. <laughs> and so I basically spent about half an hour sitting next to Hank Sherman having breakfast, didn't say a word. And then eventually he left. And I was like, you're nice. You're a fucking idiot. Why didn't you just <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just say, I think your band are fucking brilliant? He would have liked that, right? But I didn't. that's all you would have needed to have said. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that's as far as just I, I think you're fucking brilliant. That's it. You it's can't make idiot. a tit of yourself saying shit like that. What an idiot. But 
anyway, when I when I was when I was checking out of the hotel, Joey Vera was who's now the bass player. Bass, yeah, yeah. Was checking out in front of me, so I did say to him, "You guys were fucking brilliant." And by the way, I love Armand Saint. And he was like, "Thanks, man. Really nice to meet you." Blah blah blah. So that was cool. But still, no offense to Joey Vera, but Hank Sherman. Yeah, Why didn't fucking right. Yeah. Why didn't I say sorry? What an idiot. Anyway, yeah, so that's it. I love that shirt. I love that. That gig was amazing. I love Merciful Fate. Um, and I'm a fucking idiot as well. So <laughs> that's why. I, yeah, i got to back up the Merciful Fate things. Obviously, they headlined Bloodstock last year as well, and they yeah. were so fucking good. I don't know what I was expecting from King Diamond last year. I wasn't expecting to maybe not quite nail the, 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 the proper moments yeah. and, and whatnot, but fuck me. Yeah. Absolutely nailed it. I know they, 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 they were the band of the weekend by a country mile last year. Yeah, and they were the band of the this the Mystic Festival, which had a great lineup. But they were the band of the weekend for me as well. They were they were or actually them and and um, Celtic Frost who played as well or yeah. or Tosh. Um, brilliant. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Fucking. Uh, I think they they played one new song, didn't they? Like, yeah, the it, was, it, was, it was unfinished, wasn't it? I think it was was what he was kind of talking about. So. But it gave us an idea of what to expect from uh, from a new album. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It'd be good to have them back, and you know, with a bit of like touring again, and some indoor shows would be nice as well, rather than just festivals. I hope so. You know, so uh, right, okay, then. So we've reached that point. Final album. What have we got? Final album. You've just you've just alluded to it. I think. Uh, have I? Did you did you say it? Did you mention it? I don't know. Go on. So it's the only album on the list which isn't really a metal album. Although it is obviously oh, okay. rock, I went backwards and forwards between two bands, and eventually I settled on Led Zeppelin. The other band I went backwards and forwards with was The Doors, and then with Led Zeppelin, I put that into the, I put them into a similar category to Maiden, is in that their, for me, their best songs are spread across literally all of their albums, and so for me, I had to go. This is when I kind of cheated a bit and went for Mothership, which is a compilation, a best of compilation, essentially selected by the three remaining members. I think maybe mid two thousands, I think maybe two thousand. Yeah, something like that. Maybe maybe it was to coincide with the gig at the, the gig at um, the O two. It was around then, wasn't it? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I remember it being released. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. There's nothing else really that I can say about Led Zeppelin that hasn't been said a billion times before. But for me, they're just like Mothership has got absolutely fucking everything. You know, it's got the best of their blues since I've been loving you. It's got the best of their riffing songs, Black Dog. It's got obviously got Stay Away to Heaven, which I know is overplayed and it's a bit of a cliche, but it's still, still a great, it's still a great fucking song. When you hear it, you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like this. Yeah. This is a good song. It's got cashmere. It's got. It's just got. It's got everything that made Led Zeppelin brilliant. The only thing it doesn't have is my two favorite deep cuts of theirs, both of which are on Physical Graffiti, Ten Years Gone, and The Rover. It doesn't have those two, but I figure that if I've got everything else, then I can. I can. I can deal with that. Oh, no quarter. It's got which is another possibly my favorite Zeppelin song. It's just. Yeah, I mean, you know, Zeppelin is a band I never got to see. Again, I was, you know, for that, I was too young, obviously. Obviously tried to get tickets to the O2 gig and failed. Um, wasn't going to pay 50 grand or whatever it was that people were paying. 
<laughs> to go and see them. But yeah, what a what a fucking band. What a fucking band. And I can't say I can't add anything to what anything that's already been said. The only thing I would say is that about 10 years ago, you remember when Robert Plant did that album with Alison Krauss? You know, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so Smoky, bluesy, kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went to see them when they played at the O2. I think it was the, it must have been the O2. Or was it Wembley? No, I think it was the O2. I went to that show. And, you know, Robert Plant was pretty, I mean, it was great. It was a great, it was a great evening. And um, Robert Plant was, you know, he doesn't sing so kind of Zeppelin-y anymore, right? It's no, more, no, no, no. But there were a couple of moments where he went into, they did a few Led Zeppelin covers, right? And there was a couple of moments, there was one moment in particular where he went into one of his kind of sort of screams, but the high-pitched yeah. zeppelin screams. Oh, this is why they were amazing, because it just filled it just filled the whole place and it was just like oh okay that's that's what it was all about that's what Ze- seeing zeppelin live on a good night would have been all about back in 1975 or whatever it was just absolutely unbelievable and it only lasted for you know 10 seconds but it was just <laughs> fucking hell it was incredible i think incredible. i'm um i'm with you on the led zeppelin compilation thing because i'm a, in the 90s when i sort of had started to listen to led zeppelin it was the remasters compilation yeah, with yeah, the crop yeah. circles on the cover, um, and um, yeah, that was that was a really good introduction to their sort of whole back catalogue, even to some of the the sort of later seventy stuff, which often gets a little bit slated. Mm. But if it's going to nail, if if we said to you for this, you have to pick one Led Zeppelin studio album, though, which would you go for? I mean, I'm intrigued because I've got my I've got my outright favourite, but I'm just intrigued to know what it would be. Um. I think if I oh, fucking hell, <laughs> um, yeah. I think it would be. I think it will be physical graffiti. Okay, yeah, that makes sense because it's got oh, fucking hell. That oh, <laughs> it's a tough call. It's a really fucking tough call. I mean, I think it would be physical graffiti because it's got cashmere, which is. A masterpiece. It's got two of my favourite Led Zeppelin deep cuts, Ten Years Gone and The Rover. It's got an amazing blues, which is Custard Pie. Um, Love Custard Pie. Yeah, it's got fucking... It's so difficult, though, because that means you get no... When the levee breaks, you get no Black Dog. You get no, no Porter. Fucking hell, man. No, I think I physical, I think it I think it would be physical graffiti. It's, and it's long as well. So on the desert island, you've got more. Yeah, that's there. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. It, it's, it's Led Zeppelin three for me. That's always been my That's brilliant as well. Always been my favourite, which is, you know, it's their lightest album, I suppose. You, you can put it that way. But Tangerine, Gallows Pole, they're two of my favourite Zeppelin songs, and then the rest of the album just so no, it's just it's just an absolute fucking classic. Always been torn between that and Led Zeppelin one, but again, similar to Sabbath, any of their first kind of five six albums, yeah, you, you can't go wrong. You, you just can't. Can't, just, just so many great great songs. You can't. You... Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a massive Zeppelin fan like like you guys are, and it's probably a bit of a cliche, but I'd stick with four just because it's the distillation of everything. I think they were they were good at. Yeah, I mean, again, you can't you can't pick holes in in any of those albums. You you got justifiable reasons to choose any of them. Yeah, exactly. I 
I mean, look at four. It's got When the Lele Breaks, which is phenomenal. It's got arguably the best ballady rock song ever written. Yeah. It's got Black Dog, which is one of the most brilliant riffs, completely out of time in a weird fucking time signature. And I love that. And I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it's true, but you know, it's in that weird time signature. And apparently John Bonham was like, fuck that. And so he just plays straight through, straight through it. So the, so the, the, the one, you know, the beat just changes and eventually it kind of comes back in a really chaotic way and eventually ends up being back in time. Just fucking, whether that's an accident or whether it's not, just fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, but some of the best things come out of accidents. So, you know. You've got stuff like the Battle of Evermore, which for me does volume three stuff better. Yeah, I I, kind of see where you come from. I'm also a huge fan of going to California, but it's, Hmm. um, I I don't know. What, um, what... What resonates with me though with, with Led Zeppelin three, and this is gonna sound weird, is um is the movie almost famous? Oh, what a movie. Incredible. That's yeah, the way exactly. that's the way. The, the way that the way that movie intertwines with, with 70s hard rock, it makes you realise just how fucking great it must have been. Because you're in you're you're in the, the formative years of hard rock and heavy metal as it whatever it became, Zeppelin, Sabbath, like you say, the doors. Obviously not metal, but all, you know, and people like Bowie and Deep Purple and all those artists. What a fucking great time that must have been! Amazing. And you're, and actually, last night I was watching a documentary on Dwayne Allman, which was on Amazon Prime, I think. And I wasn't. I'm not a massive Allman Brothers fan, particularly. Um, but this documentary is like an hour and a half, and you listen to obviously bits of the music and you see some of the footage, and it's just like. Fucking hell, man. What a yeah. time. What a time. And like we said before, I feel lucky that I was born at the time I was. So I kind of hit the thrash explosion or the metal explosion at just the right age. But imagine being born 15 years before then. Yeah. Bands that were hitting would, was Hendrix, The Doors, Zeppelin. Yeah. Sabbath. Yeah. It's like, That's yeah. wild. Because music, music changed completely. Yeah. In the very late sixties and into the early seventies, completely changed, and to be a part of that must have been incredible. Yeah, if you're born in '55, so you're still, yeah, you're still a young kid when the Beatles hit. You're probably not into music, but you turn fifteen in '69, '70. Hmm. Yeah, hell, yeah, you're onto something pretty fucking special. Yeah, yeah, completely. All right, that was that was a fucking proper nerd out. That was. It, it certainly was. It certainly which, uh, was. which we're uh, we're always a big fan of. So uh, nice. Uh, cheers for that. And uh, that was a much more um, level-headed and and structured <laughs> version of what we wanted to achieve in the first place. So, you know. <laughs> well, it's a great format. So I really I really enjoyed it. Um, thanks for having me on. And I hope you do lots more of them because they're always uh, it's always yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, you're always welcome to come on again. Um, Right, so we are almost at the end of the year. Our next episode now will be the last one of the year, which will be our roundup of 2023. We will reveal our sort of collective top albums of the year. We're we're doing a top 11 because for obvious reasons. Um, and after that, we'll we'll do our own sort of personal top 20s. But this will be a, a collective selection of our favorite albums for the year um, with a, an overly complicated formula in place to create some kind of some kind of fair list but um i think you'll both agree that i mentioned this last week 2023 has been a fucking unbelievable year in music so trying to nail it down to 
a top 10, 20, 30, 40 even has, has been has been a tough job. I, I'm actually, you know, I've actually been losing sleep over how the fuck... <laughs> <laughs> it's like how the fuck am I going to name? How, how the hell am I going to reduce this down? You know, and how am I going to put it in order? And how the fuck am I compare an amazing progressive death metal album with an absolutely ripping black and thrash album? How can you say which one's better than the other one? Yeah, it's exactly, like, exactly. It, it is, but it's it's weird because I've I've not listened to more metal this year than I have ever. Hmm. Uh, well, I'm sorry, I've listened to more metal this year than I've ever done any other year previously. You know, it's a bit of a rebirth. Um, and I've got a top 40. Well, I'm trying, I'm trying to sort it out, but I've got I've, that's never happened to me before. And the only way I've been able to do that is to actually track things as I go along and actually decide oh, yeah. what I like. And usually, you know what albums you prefer. It's, it's a desert island question. Which would you prefer if, if you had to kind of thing? That's how you have to look at it. And I, I'd have a top 20 halfway through the year, so that helps. It's the only way. Otherwise, you get to November and you just... It's, it's a off. fucking... Keeping record of it now is a part-time job. I think I might take on an assistant yeah. in 2024 just to make life a bit easier. So uh, if anybody fancies the job, it pays no fucking money. Um, but it'll make my life easier. So, um, so yeah. Uh, again, thanks, Nigel, for coming on. Um, we'll be yeah. back in uh, in a week or so with the end of year episode. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's about that. Thanks for listening. And stay metal.